Morning has turned to afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. But the grind carries on. Not just the grind physically, but the grind mentally. The Midday Grind, featuring a couple of TV jockeys who've also been through the radio wars. <laughs> serious? Martin Kilcoin. I was a little lit, so I was saying whatever I wanted. And Charlie Marlowe. Our top story tonight, John Jay will be back tomorrow. Here's him getting a hit in 2012. It's the Midday Grind on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. And for the first time in 2019, Charlie, bring some heat. It's the midday grind. Full new resolution for this show to hold ourselves accountable. We've spent the last couple of years holding everyone else accountable. Now it's time to look into the mirror. It's time to hold ourselves to a higher standard. Is it? It's right. well past time. Thank you. Let's do it. We'll check with Andy Strickland a little bit later. He's down at the rink. Blues. Now hold on a second. You can't say, oh, we're going to be so much better in 2019. Whoa. Coming up, we got Strick. Come on oh, now. Why do you hate Strick? Why? No, I love Strick. you got to sell it. I love Strick. I don't think you hate him. I love oh, Strick. Sell it. Frank had the Shots answer of the fire. week on Monday when I said something about Strick, and he said, I think people really do appreciate when he's talking hockey. Uh, Is that an insult? And I think, it, I think it was a compliment, <laughs> but meant when he talks, and I think Frank even paused and said, hockey. I disagree because, look, we know Strick knows his hockey. Correct. But when you're listening to the slop, he and Charlie Tuna, and you guys get into it, and you always – you always bring up race, and there's always controversy. Ooh. He likes to kind of poke the bear with the other fan bases. So I think it's pretty interesting, actually. I have to say. Fast forward to the slop next year, and every week, Frank will be like, okay, Kelly Bryant is special. And then he'll be like, I don't know, man. You've been selling this guy for a year now. He looks average at best. They're going to be crushing <laughs> Kelly Bryant next whoa, year. Whoa, that, whoa. Let's, let's, you know, let's not spoil our I'm fall, I'm just predicting what will happen. We need good sports here, okay? So stop it. We need good sports teams. All right. What are you excited about, cliche, in 2019? I remember when Mizzou won the Cotton Bowl after the 2007 season. So it was opening, opening of 28, 2008. And I said on the air, I think that's the best sports thing that will happen all year. And people are like, God, that's really depressing. That's really negative. I wasn't that excited about the— Marty o- loves the negative. I was not that excited about the 08 Cardinals coming off a disastrous 2007. Uh, the the Rams were coming off a 3-13 and 13 year. Wow, I wasn't all that excited about their 2008. Rude, terrible person. That is correct. True. What are you excited about? Will 2019 be a better calendar year? And I think it actually will be than 2018. Because Mizzou should be better. If not, it's a huge disappointment. They should be better than 8-5 and five next year based on the talent coming back, based on the schedule. Cardinals, I think, should be better than last year. And the Blues can't be a whole lot worse. How about this? Are there playoff games in St. Louis in 2019? Well, none for hockey. <clears throat> We include the Billikens being in the tournament? Yeah, sure. And okay. Mizzou, if you want to. Does it have to be in St. Louis? Like, I no. think the Cardinals will, at worst, There's a local team be in the wild in the card playoffs game. in 2019. Yes. yes. Okay. And also, as you bring up 2018, it does kind of flash through your mind that it's not exactly a high bar. Correct. When you have the Cardinals <laughs> missing out, the Blues, last year at least, they 
almost make the postseason. They're in it till the final game of the season, but of course the the first half of this season has been terrible. Mizzou has a, I'd call it nice season, even though people disagreed with that term on on Twitter. But you have to think. Did Kelly you Bryant, say nice on Twitter? People got mad. Okay, eight and five. I can't call that a a nice season. And by the way, after that, I said, look, nice season, eight and five, big win at Florida, some big time wins on the recruiting trail. I think we'd all agree with Bryant and Robinson coming in at the quarterback position, getting some St. Louis kids after not for the last couple of years. But then at the end, I said, I think it's fair, Mizzou two and three in games decided by five points or less. So at this point, although Barry Odom is racking up some wins in the recruiting game, is that coaching staff, have they been an asset? Is it fair to think that, okay, if you cleaned up the end of the Kentucky game, cleaned up the end of this bowl game, are you at nine or ten wins? That's absolutely fair. Nine and four would have been super nice. I'll take that. I but look, yeah, this has not been a good year. 2018 was not a good year for sports. you got to think the Cardinals are going to be better. I would think they're going to, again, at minimum, make the wild card game. I think Mizzou will win more than eight games. We'll see what happens with the Blues. you got to think pretty soon here. An MLS announcement in the next couple of months, you would hope? I think what's fair in Barry Odom is that apparently the program was in worse shape than we knew. He he brought that up last year. And we were thinking, God, that, that Pinkle thing was going pretty good. 13 and 14, they were going to those championship games in the SEC. 2015, all hell broke loose. There's a quote from Therese Hall, the linebacker, in Dave Matter's piece today, where he talks about the senior class and how they basically had to get rid of guys, he said. You've got people around here wanting to do drugs and stuff. It basically oh. sounded like a really bad room that maybe we didn't realize things had sort of deteriorated. And this is just one kid on the team, but he was there through it all. He got recruited coming off those big years in 13 and 14. So maybe it was in worse shape than we thought. Odom kind of brought that up last year, but it's also convenient for a coach to say that when you're trying to buy yourself some time. So maybe the incremental progress is reasonable. But I think if you look at Barry Odom, his losses seem to stand out more than the wins. Or notable losses, there's more of those than there are notable wins. I think that's fair. And then Dave Matter had the stat that Odom is now 0-6 when more than a week to prepare for an FBS opponent. So a notable opponent, not some cupcake that you schedule. 0-6 in those games. We know they hadn't beaten a ranked team until they did the Florida game. An impressive win, but on the whole, I think it's okay to want more from Mizzou. And that's one thing that 100%. You, one thing that Tune and Strick always kind of bring up. I don't know if they articulate it that well huh. because they're just trying to get under Frank's skin, <laughs> so he kicks them out. But I think they wanted more. And to Drew Locks, in his defense, you score 33 points, 400 yards passing almost. You should probably win that game. It's not his fault they didn't win that game. How about this for an analogy, though? Because I think what you said is correct. It's easy on the surface to look at the the two previous Pinkle years before his his tough final season and say, man, they, they win their division each year. They get to the SEC championship game. How did it fall off so quickly? And it kind of makes me think about SLU basketball with Rick Majerus. He has his players in there. They get to the tournament. Obviously, unfortunately, he passes away. Jim Cruz takes over with those Majerus players. They get back to the tournament two more times, but there was basically no recruiting after that. So after you have this run of three straight years in the NCAA tournament, it went to the bottom quickly. And I think on the surface, you think, man, did Gary Pinkle really leave this program in a spot like that? Because you think of the Pinkle era, and it's one of the best eras in Mizzou football history. And you do see those two SEC division championships. 
But then you're looking at the recruiting after that, and I also think, yes, it's it's better for the, the coach coming in to say, look what we, we dealt with. But yeah, it wasn't like Barry Odom inherited this team that immediately should go and win eight or nine games. So if Pinkle had stayed, maybe 2016 looks similar, where they went 4-8. and eight. Maybe they were trending that way. I don't know. I'm just saying, if you read that quote from Therese Hall, who was one of the more quotable players all year, senior player who'd been through the ups and downs, clearly, with Mizzou the last few years, he talked about they needed to get rid of guys, he said, that weren't I'm paraphrasing, but weren't that into it, wanted to do drugs, and sounded like a really bad culture that they had to eradicate. That said, I'm a Mizzou fan. I've seen this for years. Going to a bowl game, they're favored by what? Nine by a and lot. A half. So everybody's looked at this. Vegas is pretty good at figuring out who should or shouldn't win or how close it should be. You're favored by nearly 10 points, and then you lose by five. That's a bad loss for a team that did have some momentum. That nine and four it would have felt different. It's the same as last year where you had people kind of going, oh, all right, let's go to a bowl game, let's win a bowl and feel good, even if it's the crappy Texas Bowl. It doesn't matter, but it kind of does. So if you get that last win going into the offseason, they said it in 2016 when they beat Arkansas. Remember that? Oh, we got a lot of – they were 4-8. and eight. We're like, God, it just felt good. We finished strong, and the, we go into the offseason. We got this kind of momentum going. And I realize if you lose the bowl, you say, eh, it doesn't matter. If you win the bowl, hey, we got momentum. Of course. That's what bothers me. And it's not just with Mizzou. I'm talking big picture college football. The hypocrisy of how people evaluate bowl games. Because just be consistent. If your team loses, okay, you know, they weren't motivated. If they win, oh, they're great and our conference is great. That's what bothers me. Don't look at one team in your conference, evaluate it one way, another team in your conference, and say, oh, they're not motivated. With Mizzou... Look, I think bowls have meaning. Are they the most meaningful? No. Are they meaningless? I would say no. But two years in a row now, you were really hot to end the season. And then you take the three, four weeks off. You're playing a Big 12 team. You're favored. Each of these years, both with Texas and Oklahoma State, your opponent was sitting some guys that were getting ready for the draft. And and both times you're favored, and both times you lose that game. So you can say that doesn't mean anything, but for a program like Mizzou, I do think winning a bowl game is important, and I do think getting to eight or nine wins is important if you haven't been there for a while. I think for Barry Odom, it had more meaning than it does for some coaches. Like if Mike Gundy had lost the game, nobody would feel one way or the other about him or his program. I think if Barry Odom wins that game, it's a different vibe. That's my point. I think it meant more on his resume than it did to a lot of coaches that are playing in, quote, meaningless bowl games. And that's where you say, okay, I get it why Georgia wasn't motivated. Okay, I understand that mindset. With Mizzou, you're motivated. Drew Locke was motivated. Barry Odom was motivated. All those guys were playing. Terry Beckner Jr. So that was a motivated team that laid an egg against Oklahoma State. Against a team that was 6-6. Six and six, that yes. Seemingly had no real, well, they want to win a game, but it didn't mean much, seemingly. Hey, let's get to the rink. Andy Strickland, Fox Sports Midwest, 622 Blue, host of Hockey Sense Fridays at 4. Check it in with us. Blues back at home ice again tomorrow against the Washington Capitals. So that should be easier because they won the cup last year. They're not motivated. Strick, how are you? I'm very motivated, as you would expect. Happy New Year to you. Everybody out there listening right now on Radio Land, happy New Year to you as well. Strick seems upbeat. This is a new Andy in 2019. Uh, I guess the biggest news the last couple of days, All-Star Game making it official, and maybe just a mild surprise that they got the 2020, which they had been pushing for. Didn't Bettman say it wasn't going to happen that soon when we had him on opening night? He did say that uh, he wasn't ready to make any announcements. 
I think the Blues organization at that time knew already that this was going to happen. So uh, they've known this for quite some time, to be honest. I mean, even going back to last summer, I think most people had a good feel that this was going to happen. Um, you know, and they've been trying for quite some time to bring the All-Star game here, so now it's coming in 2020. But, you know, when Gary Bettman came in at the beginning of the year, I mean, he just came to check things out. Uh, he wasn't ready to make any type of official announcement because they'd like to do that during the Winter Classic, as they did yesterday. Uh, but I think everybody knew at that time that this was a slam-dunk done deal, that the All-Star game would be coming here. And for sure, if you don't upgrade the building, it's not coming for a long time. And, and wasn't that part of the pitch that the Blues made, is, hey, we got to do these things in order to get the All-Star game? A hundred percent, and I don't think everyone quite bought into what the Blues were saying, but this is what they're talking about. I mean, it's not just the All-Star game, but, you know, the SEC tournament. It's not just hockey events. There's other events that they want to bring here. They're bidding for the Final Four. They're bidding for more NCAA championships. So, you know, no building in the St. Louis area brings in more people in and outside of the door than the Enterprise Center. And um, if you want to have more events, more big-time events, make St. Louis feel like a big-time city, then uh, you better, uh, you know, support the idea of the city, you know, um, you know, providing some, some financial assistance to upgrade the building, which they have. Now that there's a, a, a third phase that's expected to happen this offseason, now that's more on the state level. So the Blues are still waiting for uh, confirmation that the state is going to be able to provide uh, you know, the financial means to uh, to finish out this project and get the third phase completed, but they're pretty confident that's going to happen. So, again, it's not just talk when they say we need, um, you know, money to be able to upgrade these events or upgrade the building to bring these events here to St. Louis. It's 100% true. Strick, I uh, feel funny quoting this guy on Twitter, but he does break a lot of stories in both hockey and baseball. Our guy, Incarcerated Bob... <laughs> tweeting out yesterday, updated NHL rumors. And again, this guy has broken some some stories is recently. Is he local, incarcerated Bob? No, he's a, he's a national guy. He has is 120, he was in thousand on followers. He was right about the Paul yeah. Goldschmidt. Guys, I've known this guy for quite some time. He's a guy out of New York who calls into radio shows. I mean, he's not, I, mean I like incarcerated Bob. Uh, he's an interesting read on Twitter. I think it's interesting that you're quoting him in this interview, but go ahead. What's the question? Well, that's why that's why I preface my question here. But again, this guy has broken some stories, and he tweets out yesterday, Blues starting to discuss trading Alex Petrangelo. So far, Bruins, Leafs, Penguins, Avalanche are early teams involved. So my question is, do you believe incarcerated Bob there? Um, I don't. And, and here's why. First off, I mean, you got to hear me out here. I think the Blues are considering trading anybody. I don't think anybody's safe on this roster, and why would they be when you consider um, the season that they've had? You know, so you're exploring ideas and ways to upgrade the roster at all times. But, and listen, people are looking at Petrangelo because his name's been brought up on Hockey Night in Canada a few weeks ago, and, and his name has certainly been brought up in trade rumors. And he's got one year left on his contract after this year, and he's been a really good player throughout his career in the National Hockey League. With that being said, uh, he's got triplets at home. He's got a wife who's from St. Louis, and he has a full no-move clause. So he's going to be able to dictate how this goes. Um, He's told people close to him that he has no interest in accepting a trade and leaving the St. Louis Blues. Now, could that change? I mean, it could change this afternoon. It could change tomorrow, you know. But based off of the information that I've received, 
he's not looking to leave. He's got three infants at home and a wife that's from St. Louis. And you guys, if you marry girls from St. Louis, you certainly understand how that goes. Um, so we'll see how it plays out down the line. But the idea of Alex Petrangelo, in my opinion, based on the information that I've received about him waiving his no move this season, I would be 100% absolutely shocked if that were to happen. Strick, what's the number one issue right now? In recent weeks, we've seen the numbers, and it backs it up, that Jake Allen has played better. Um, you know, And you've got guys like O'Reilly who have probably exceeded expectations. Perron scoring a little more than I would have guessed. But what, what do you think right now? They're still not winning enough games. They're still buried in the standings. What do you think the number one issue is? You know, it's tough to pinpoint it because, you know, some of these blowout losses that we've seen, and you didn't see a blowout against the New York Rangers, but I'll talk about some of these blowouts. I mean, the Blues really struggle when they fall behind early in a game. And when they have to chase a game, they just don't have the ability to recover for whatever reason that is, you know. And, you know, you get good goaltending from Jake the other night. You got good goaltending from him in other games as well where you don't produce and come through offensively. The power play has let them down as of late. hasn't been as strong as it was early on in the season. Um, but to me, they just don't have enough finishers right now. I mean, they don't have enough guys who are in position based off of what their role is with this hockey club who are producing offense consistently. And, you know, that means guys like Alexander Steen, Jaden Schwartz, Braden Shen, Vladimir Tarasenko, Patrick Maroon, Tyler Bozak. You can go up and down the line. I mean, these are guys who are in top nine roles, Okay, many of those guys are in top six roles. And the way I've always defined a top six forward in the National Hockey League is purely based on offensive production. I mean, you can call anybody a top six forward, I guess, if they're on the top two lines. But the way you define yourself as a top six forward in the NHL is because you consistently produce offense. And all those guys that I just mentioned have been inconsistent offensive players this season and big reason as to why they are where they are right now. They don't score enough. They don't get timely goals. They don't play good enough offensively. Their best two players, you just mentioned it, Ryan O'Reilly, uh, he hasn't produced more. I think he's been exactly what people expected, what he's been throughout most of his career. Now he's producing closer to a point per game, which would certainly be an upgrade, but this guy's been a good player for a long time. And David Perron, after the season he had last year, I think I think most people expected him to be good. Would he, did they expect him to produce as much as he has from a goal-scoring standpoint? Maybe not, but... Those have been your top two players offensively, and there haven't been enough support from a production standpoint around those two guys. Strick, how important to this team getting better, not necessarily this year, but but moving forward, is this draft pick where the Blues are in the weird spot, obviously, because the pick is top 10 protected, so if they finish poorly, they get the pick. If they're more in the middle, they don't even get to, to use that draft pick. So it's kind of a weird spot to be in because, of course, you want to go for the playoffs, is it in the best interest of the Blues for the next couple of years, though, to do that? Uh, I, I, listen, if you're going to miss the playoffs, you want to have a first-round pick. I, I think it's that simple. You know, there's no real consolation. This is a team that you know made the playoffs six straight years. They went to the conference final. Um, finishing outside the playoffs and not having a first-round pick wouldn't do much to help this hockey club. That's obvious. You know, so if you're picking in the top 10, you should be able to get a, a pretty good player. The last time the Blues picked in the top 10 was 2008 when they got uh, Alex Petrangelo. I think Rod Brindamore is the last time the Blues drafted a forward in the top 10. That's how far back you have to go. And so I don't think this organization is looking to rebuild 
but you can reload pretty quickly if you're able to get a good player at the top end of the draft. And speaking to people um, who follow the amateur side very closely, this is considered a high-end draft at the top of the draft from an offensive standpoint. You can get a really good player um, if you're picking in the top ten, maybe even a franchise player. And like I said, it's been a long time since the Blues have had that ability and that luxury of doing that. So if you're going to miss, I'm not going to sit here and say you want to miss badly, but we all know you help yourself out moving forward if you have a first-round pick in the top, you know, in your back pocket. When you consider the Blues don't have too many seasons like this, where they have the ability to pick that high in the draft, you know, it doesn't happen all that often, and you hope it doesn't happen that often. But when it does, you want to be able to use that selection, and you need to hit on it because, again, those opportunities don't come around all that often. So you've got to make sure that you hit a home run and that you hit on that draft pick as you're picking in the top ten. could be the top five. Time now for Coach Q Ski Chalet update. Uh, what's Quenville up to? <laughs> Ooh, uh, probably celebrating the New Year's. I don't know if he's still celebrating New God, Year's. God, I want to be Quenville. He's just skiing and drinking scotch and just waiting for people <laughs> to throw money at him. <laughs> he still is having money thrown at him. I mean, you see the Chicago Blackhawks play in the Winter Classic yesterday, um, and he's still getting paid by the Blackhawks. So, uh, listen, I've said it from the beginning, I think, Joel Quinville is sitting back. He's relaxing. I'm sure he's watching a lot of hockey and evaluating teams that he thinks maybe he's going to have an opportunity to coach next year in terms of what his options will be. But I don't think we'll fully know his options until we get through the first round of the playoffs, maybe even the second round of the playoffs, because I've said all along as well, there are good teams out there right now um, who think they're close but based on the way the playoff format is right now, especially with these two three games, these two three seed matchups, where really good teams, teams that finish with north of 100 points, lose in the first round, um, those teams, good chance that they would look to fire their coach if they think they can go get a guy like Joe Quimble, if they think they're close and they think he can get them over the top. So um, he's probably just sitting back, waiting to see what his options are going to be. But I still think St. Louis is one of them. Uh, you ready to pay Frank? Uh, Tom Condon, the super agent outside the Liberty Bowl Mizzou locker room, talking to the Drew Lock family, getting ready for draft time. Tom Condon doesn't take QBs unless they go in the first round, Strick. Frank declared it earlier today. Mm-hmm. The bet is over. Are you ready to pay up? Okay. Well, first off, um, <laughs> you know, he started four years here, right? Never won a bowl game, never finished a season with more than eight wins. So, again, he doesn't have the it factor, as I told you. That's over not over. part of the bet. Uh, just first-round pick. That's all now, we're talking, Blue. Now, Tom Condon has told people close to him that he does think there's a chance he could go in the second round. Okay. So the idea that Condon only takes quarterbacks that go in all the first right. round, I don't know how accurate that is. Right. But it does help uh, Frank's case. And certainly Drew Locke's case, the fact that the Oregon quarterback is going back to school. You have the Alabama quarterback. It doesn't look like he's coming out, but he's going back to school. We'll see how it plays out with some of those other guys. But as Kurt Warner tweeted, and I sent it to Frank on a couple of occasions, of course, no response. But he said, <laughs> he said listen, all, he said, all NFL teams, if you're looking for a franchise quarterback and you have, uh, he said, do not use it this year if you have a high pick. Best quarterbacks in the country are coming back to college next year. So he may be drafted in the first round, but I still contend I don't think he's going to have a great NFL career. But I, I'm still holding out. I don't want to say holding out hope because I kind of like Drew Locke. You know, sure. he's a nice guy, nice little quarterback. You know, he's from the States, from Kansas City. He's had some nice 
Um, nice. You know, performances where he's been just okay, but again, just hasn't been able to get this program to a level that they need to be at, where they're losing to six and six teams in the Big 12. Are you kidding me? I mean, the SEC, again, I've said it, I really believe it's overrated. It's based off a of reputation. You see Georgia, albeit not motivated, they lose to a Big 12 team in Texas, Texas motivated team. Um, they used to be the big-time heavy hitter. They still have the best teams in the country. The team at the top end of the SEC is typically still the best team in the country, and we're seeing that right now with Alabama. But are they as deep and as dominant as they used to be? I haven't really thought that since Mizzou got to the SEC. I think it's very possible that he doesn't have a great NFL career. I mean, I hope he does, but that's very possible. But I do think the odds are somebody will take a shot on him in the first round. 6-2-2 blue. We'll see you at 4 o'clock on Friday. Today, what day is today? Today is Wednesday, Wednesday, but it feels like a Monday. Okay, today is Wednesday. Well, Fr- do we have a, we have a slop on Friday or no? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, we? 2019, ringing in the new we year. Have a slop. Schneidhorst on uh, Friday. Most popular radio program on our state, on, probably in St. Louis. Are you good for Friday's <laughs> trick? You don't have any blues duties that day? Um, I'll make it there. Okay. Wow, this feels there. like some housekeeping <laughs> nope. happening on air. So, slop on Friday. <laughs> Wouldn't I, miss it. I was trying to plug your show. And I wondered if you were going draft route again. I, my guess is that you're still in talks with Friday's guest. I'm uh, still in talks with Friday's guest. Go. Had Craig Berube on last week, and interesting conversation with him. Also had Robert Thomas on. So enjoyed that conversation this past uh, Friday over Hockey Sense. If you missed it, you can check out the podcast at 590thefan.com. This week, uh, we may focus a little bit on the All Star Game announcement, yeah. but we'll have something else for you. Of course, with the World Junior Championships going on, we'll see. For we'll sure. see how USA does tonight in their quarterfinal game. Oh, that's a Chuck. That's Talk tonight. Jack I'll be monitoring it as well as incarcerated Bob's tweets. And I also, uh, I'd like to point out, if I'm Quenville, I know you say he's probably watching lots of hockey. If I'm, I wouldn't even watch. I'm like, eh, I'm fine. I don't need to watch any hockey. Ski, go to the beach, man. Enjoy uh, it. You're gonna be coaching for the next ten it, years again. Enjoy this. Enjoy this time. In their blood. It's true. It's true. All right, Strick. You got to wonder. By the way, I'll throw this out. You got to wonder if Seattle would be an interesting destination for him. You know, he and Dave Tippett very, very close. Dave Tippett is a name who's out there, by the way, as well moving forward. But you know, Joe Quimble and Dave Tippett are very, very tight. Could he entice Joe Quimble to take another couple years off and come to Seattle? That would be interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Obi Clark's right here, baby. Number one selling point. 4Q. All right, Strick. I'm with you there. Thanks for the Rick report. <laughs> Appreciate it, guys. Take care. See you, buddy. Strickland, Fox Sports Midwest, also the host of Hockey Sense Friday afternoons. Part of our hockey team here. We have Chris Kerber on the day of games. We've got all the hockey you'd ever want sure. right here on 5 Night of the Fan. I always find it funny when the uh, the super agents always just happen to be kind of lurking around the uh, the locker rooms of these players when they – just kind of finished their college careers. I remember it's just a coincidence. Just a coincidence. About twelve years ago, we're covering Michigan State in their bowl game. They had a really good receiver, went in the second round, Devin Thomas. But Drew Rosenhaus just happened to be kind of hanging out right outside of the locker room. And sure enough, Devin Thomas leaves school early. And who does he sign with? Drew Rosenhaus. And then I'm just guessing Drew Locke might sign with Mr. Quarterback Agent Tom Condon. It just kind of always happens that way. Probably. You're just saying the timing is Well, you have these weird rules. It's the same with baseball. You can't have an agent. You have to have Correct. an advisor. But then all of a sudden, the second you declare, you have your agent right there. It's just getting around these rules, which, to be honest, they're stupid to begin with.
And so it's all up good. against it. A couple of more Mizzou thoughts. We'll come back. Chuck Marlowe, Martin Kilgren. Hoff is back. Oh, I want to hear about a guy playing a ukulele when you paid to rent his place. Matt Rocky on the controls. We'll get a lot to get to, Chuck. Mm-hmm. A lot to get to next. Midday grind, 590 The Fan.